if you really want to start a conversation in Texas, Sergio Martinez Beltran says the way to do it is to walk up to a crowd of people and utter the words, Ken Paxton. I don't think there's any gray reaction at all. It's either people love Ken Paxton and think he is the embodiment of what a real conservative Republican should be, or people really dislike him and think that he is everything that's wrong with politics and with the Republican Party. So there's nothing in between? No, nothing in between. Ken Paxton is the attorney general of Texas, or he was. He's on unpaid leave right now because he's being impeached by the State House of Representatives. Paxton is accused of many things, but most importantly, an overly close relationship with a donor and a friend who was under investigation for fraud. Paxton's trial starts today, September 5th. Only three people in total in the history of Texas, including Ken Paxton, have been impeached by the Texas House. So this is a real big deal here. It's a big deal. But like Sergio says, Paxton's still got a base of support. Sergio is a reporter at the Texas Newsroom. That is a public radio collaboration in the Lone Star State. The other day, he drove out to Collin County. That is one of Ken Paxton's old stomping grounds. Republican leaders here are happy to defend Paxton, even though their colleagues at the state capitol have drafted 20 separate articles of impeachment against him. One thing that's important to mention, Mary, is that a lot of the people that I talked to would not say that Ken Paxton is innocent. They will not go to bat for that. They will say that they have issues with the process that took place in the Texas House. But it's interesting. They will not say they're defending his innocence or not. In fact, they've said, we don't know if he's innocent or not. What we're saying is that what the House did is wrong. That's so interesting because when I started looking into Ken Paxton, I feel like the list of allegations against him is not short. Like, he was indicted for committing securities fraud in 2015, and he was accused of accepting bribes in 2016, and there's even this allegation that he stole a $1,000 pen back in 2013. So it's like he just has this, like, list of things that aren't too great. The thing is that in most of these instances, he has not faced any consequences. And so here we are now uh, with one of his latest legal issues, which is where, you know, he's accused of using his office to protect and shield one of his political donors and friends from a FBI investigation. This is the first time he has to face some sort of accountability. I don't think he was expecting anything to happen, except that it did. Today on the show, after 15 years of accusations, could this week's impeachment mean Ken Paxton is being held accountable? I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. 
Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The future of America is in your hands. This is not a movie trailer, and it's not a political ad, but it is a call to action. I'm Mila Atmos, and I'm passionate about unlocking the power of everyday citizens. On our podcast, Future Hindsight, we take big ideas about civic life and democracy and turn them into action items for you and me. Every Thursday, we talk to bold activists and civic innovators to help you understand your power and your power to change the status quo. Find us at futurehindsight.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. So let's do a little 101 before we really get into it here. For people who are not in Texas, what does Ken Paxton represent? Why is he so important? Yes, so Ken Paxton is the embodiment of what a true conservative Republican should be. And that's according to the people who really like him. He's a big figure here in Texas, Mary. Um, He won the attorney general's office about a decade ago and has been reelected twice since then. And part of the reason he's so loved by many GOPers here is because of his efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election. Yeah, the Texas Tribune has called him the state's election denier in chief. Is that a fair characterization? I believe so. Yeah, he was at the forefront of trying to overturn the results. And, you know, he's a big supporter and friend of former President Donald Trump. Attorney general who has really led the way. Somebody who has been brave and strong. Ken Paxton. He's made a name by being strict on issues like voter fraud and for fighting with the Obama and Biden administrations over immigration, federal spending, medication abortion. Um, And of course, he's also known because of his legal troubles. Yeah, can we take the impeachment allegations one at a time? Because even though there are all these allegations against Paxton, these impeachment allegations, they really revolve around this one relationship that the attorney general had with a guy named Nate Paul, who's a real estate mogul. Right. So Nate Paul, like you mentioned, is a businessman who's based here in Austin and has been involved in some serious legal issues. He was recently charged with eight felony counts of making false statements to mortgage lenders and other financial institutions. And it turns out Paul is a good friend of Paxton and has even donated to his campaign. In fact, he gave $25,000 to Paxton in 2018. This relationship started about 2019 when Paxton asked his top deputies for legal counsel on a disputed records request involving Nate Paul, who wanted access uh, to sealed information concerning a search warrant by federal agents against himself. So basically, Paul was being investigated and he went to his friend Ken Paxton and was like, hey, could you help me like look into this a little bit more, like figure out what's going on? Exactly. Exactly that. Texas House investigators now allege that Ken Paxton gave Nate Paul access to unredacted FBI records. He also hired an outside attorney to investigate an FBI raid on Paul's home and business. Paxton even fast-tracked this legal opinion that stopped foreclosures during the pandemic. The opinion dropped at one in the morning, and the next day, Nate Paul managed to delay foreclosure on a bunch of his properties. These favors Ken Paxton did for Nate Paul. There were a whole lot of them. Paxton told one of his deputies he did not want his office to help the FBI nor the Texas Department of Public Safety on the investigation involving Paul. Now, think about that. He is arguably the top cop of Texas, and he's telling his staff, don't work with other law enforcement agencies on this investigation. 
Yeah, it seems weird. Right. It feels a little bit like the attorney general's office is acting as this guy, Nate Paul's personal attorney. Yes. And that is one of the big questions here. Why was Ken Paxton so moved to help Nate Paul? You know, Paxton's top staff kept saying they didn't know. In fact, at one point, they sat with Paxton and were like, hey, why are you doing this? Are you being blackmailed? Like, are you being bribed? Tell us. We are here to help. We don't have to do this. And still, Paxton moved forward with this. He said that he knew what it was to be wrongly investigated and indicted, and that pretty much he didn't want that to happen to Nate Paul. Huh. What was Paxton getting for? Like, what do we know that Paxton might have been getting for doing all this work for his friend Nate Paul? We are not completely sure about the extent of what he was getting. What we do know is that house impeachment managers say Nate Paul paid for Paxton's home renovations, and they were over $100,000 worth of renovation. We also know that Nate Paul allegedly hired a woman with whom Paxton was having an affair and brought her to Austin, so the attorney general didn't have to travel to San Antonio where she used to live. This seems kind of like small potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like this stuff. I mean, like it, it's valuable to have someone pay for your home renovations and move your mistress somewhere. But is it turn the attorney general's office upside down level? I'm not sure. If you asked those who worked for Paxton, some of these m- members of his cabinet that were the most loyal to him and were super are super Republicans, have their Republican bona fides, they would say it was not worth it. They don't understand why he used his office to do this. And that's why eight of them, eight of Paxton's top deputies, went to the FBI and told the FBI that they believed there was criminal behavior happening within the office of the Texas Attorney General. And this is in fall of 2020, right? Correct. That seems like a really big move for these people inside Paxton's office. My understanding is they were often handpicked by Ken Paxton and very conservative for them to go outside of their office to the FBI and report their boss. It just it kind of seems unprecedented to me. Yes. I mean, it was a big deal. They went to the FBI. And it's interesting, Mary, because Right after they went to the FBI, they also messaged Paxton and told him that they had gone to the FBI and reported him. They were super, super upfront about this and what they did. One of the folks who reported Paxton to the FBI, his name is David Maxwell. Um, He served as director of criminal law enforcement for the office of the attorney general. And, you know, Maxwell told House investigators that he knew from the beginning that what Paxton was asking him to do was not legal and was not right, that this Nate Paul guy was very corrupt. He also told Paxton that, you know, he was going to get himself in trouble and, quote, I wish you'd listen to me. And what we know is that Ken Paxton ignored his pleading and still moved forward with helping Nate Paul. So after these staffers come forward, go to the FBI, tell Ken Paxton, their boss, we went to the FBI, what happened then? Were they, like, hailed as heroes or what? So a couple of things happened right after they went to the FBI. Now, after the FBI meeting, we know that Paxton wired nearly $122,000 to a company affiliated to Nate Paul. House impeachment managers claimed that Paxton made that payment in an attempt to hide what I said earlier, that Paul had provided Paxton with home renovations for free. 
And then Paxton decided to call these folks rogue employees. And uh, he pretty much either fired or pushed all of them out of the office of the attorney general because of them reporting Paxton to the FBI. It seems to me if the people in your office go to the FBI and make allegations against you and you're a public official and then the public official intervenes and pushes people out, those same people, that would be a big red flag that something was going on that would need to be investigated by the state. But it seems to me like that's not what happened in Texas. Like this was three years ago <laughs> when this happened. And and afterwards, things just kind of bubbled along for a while, right? Right. I mean, the whistleblowers ended up suing the attorney general's office because of these firings. And I think that this is important, and, I, and I've tried to make emphasis in all my reporting on this. It's a fact that at the core of this impeachment of Ken Paxton is the fact that eight people went to the FBI and reported Paxton because they believed that there was criminal behavior happening within the office of the attorney general. And these eight people are Republicans, many of them personally recruited by Ken Paxton. So these are not Democrats. These are not liberals. These are not woke people. These are Republicans, conservative, who many of them have spent their whole lives either at the Texas Rangers or serving as prosecutors, you know, working with the public. And I think this matters because when they sue Ken Paxton, Ken Paxton decided to settle with them. They sued for like wrongful dismissal, right? The fact that he fired them. Right, right. And one of the things based on the settlement that Paxton had to do was to issue a statement where he apologized to the whistleblowers for referring to them as rogue employees. The other thing Paxton had to do was to pay the whistleblowers $3.3 million. Oof. This is the reason why Paxton is being impeached. Because of that amount of money, Ken Paxton had to go to the Texas legislature and ask for an appropriations. Oh, he wasn't going to pay it out of his pocket. No, Texas law does not allow Ken Paxton to pay it out of his pocket because the law doesn't allow the whistleblowers to sue Paxton on a personal capacity. They have to sue the office of the attorney general if they want any resolution. So the Texas legislature held a hearing about this lawsuit. And right after is when the Texas House launches this investigation to the $3.3 million because they didn't think taxpayers should cover for this wrongful dismissal lawsuit. One way to see this is that Texas legislators didn't really care what Ken Paxton was up to until they were on the hook to pay for it. Is that a fair way to think about it? I think so. For the last decade or so, the Texas legislature has ignored uh, Paxton's alleged legal issues, right? And they have not intervened on anything. In fact, many of these Republicans who voted to impeach Ken Paxton have campaigned for Ken Paxton in the past. When you ask the state to pay $3.3 million, this is where they draw the line. After the break, Paxton's been impeached, but now he heads into a trial that could end before it even starts. After he was impeached, 
Ken Paxton was put on leave, right? So he's no longer acting as attorney general or being paid by the state. Right. Yes. So once he was impeached, Ken Paxton automatically was suspended from his duties as attorney general. He's not removed. He's just suspended. We have seen him on Twitter since then. He's talked about how he's not going to surrender on this fight. He's talked about how he's innocent, how this impeachment proceeding was not legitimate. Part of the allegations that Paxton's attorneys have made is the fact that they say that the House Investigating Committee or even the full House did not give Paxton an opportunity to defend himself from these articles of impeachment. In the Texas Senate, in this trial, he will be allowed to present his defense and even Paxton will be allowed to provide testimony. However, Paxton has already promised to not show up to provide testimony. So it's just this irony where he keeps saying that he wanted a chance to defend himself. And when the Texas Senate, which is a Republican-led chamber, decides to give him an opportunity, Paxton says he's not going to take it. Let's talk a little bit about how this trial's going to work. Like, who's overseeing this trial? So the lieutenant governor, Dan Patrick, who is also a Republican, will serve as the presiding officer of the Senate Court of Impeachment. Is he a lawyer or a judge or anything? Kind of, but not really. <laughs> it's not <convincing. laughs> Right, right. It's, it's a kind of situation. Um, he's not the judge. He's the presiding officer. He has some... Uh, He has hired a former justice to serve as his counsel, his legal counsel in this issue. But truly, I I think what matters here the most is the senators that will be the ones voting to either convict or not convict Ken Paxton. Each senator will serve as a juror. So they'll be listening to all the evidence. And at the end, they are going to be the ones voting. I assume they're mostly Republicans. Yes, most of these senators are Republicans. Some of them have really close ties to Ken Paxton. Uh, Senator Angela Paxton, who is Ken Paxton's wife, is one of the senators who will be watching the proceedings from the Senate floor. That's wild. It is. That his wife is one of the senators. It is pretty It is pretty wild. The Senate Republicans also move forward with impeachment rules that prohibit Senator Angela Paxton from voting or sitting in the deliberations of this trial, which was interesting to see. I think, you know, Senator Angela Paxton wanted to vote. She, in fact, voted against the rules that were adopted. But it was interesting to see that Republicans felt that that was a conflict of interest that was too big to ignore, right? Well, it's interesting to think about, like, where she stands in all this, because part of the allegations against her husband is that he was having an affair with a woman. And part of the way that this real estate guy was able to keep Ken Paxton under his thumb is that he was helping support the affair. Yes. And the way he was helping support that affair, Nate Paul, was to create a fake Uber account to help Paxton move along, move around town. You know, there were documents that were presented that include a certificate of authenticity uh, from Uber that shows an account was open under the name Dave P that matches the identifiers for Ken Paxton. And that account uh, used Nate Paul's email on the account signup information document. Hmm. Earlier this month, Paxton's attorneys argued that All but one of the 20 charges against him violate something called the prior term doctrine. What is that? Is that a real thing that's going to 
be an issue? <laughs> that is a question that I had to ask experts, you know, last month because I was also very interested in it. You know, they argue the Texas Constitution says that only offenses that happened after the most recent election, so in this case, November 2022, could be grounds for impeachment. Huh. But the Texas Constitution is not that explicit. It only says that a person cannot be impeached for offenses committed before their election to office. It doesn't say most recent election. So, you know, that's the argument they're pushing for. And, you know, if they were to be successful with it, the Senate could only convict Paxton on issues that happened after November 2022, which is something, again, that House impeachment managers say does not make a lot of sense because the Constitution is not as explicit as how they're making it sound. And also, it would then bar people from being impeached for actions committed while they're served in office. It's a funny argument because it's basically an argument that <laughs> your your history is wiped clean as long as you get reelected, basically. Right, right. And also, you know, when you look at history here and, and you know, we, we looked at it because we wanted to report on this issue, we find that, sure, in some instances that people have been impeached, there has been a prior term doctrine argument that has been successful, but in many others it has not been successful. So it's not a settled precedent. As you said, the trial is supposed to start today, Tuesday, September 5th. And like the first thing that's going to happen is they're going to vote on whether they dismiss the case before it even begins. Yes. How's that going to work? According to the Senate rules, uh, they won't be able to debate these pretrial motions. They will just have to vote on them. I think, again, it will be hard for state senators to just vote right away to dismiss this um, these this articles of impeachment. I mean, at the end of the day, this is a political trial. This is not a criminal trial. You know, this is a political trial. And if the Senate were to dismiss all of these articles of impeachment before a trial happened, I think it will be sending a message to the House that, you know, their case was not strong enough or whatnot. And I think um, the Senate might not want to take that risk of just dismissing all of the articles right away because it could definitely injure that relationship with the House. The whole reason this impeachment is happening is because these whistleblowers came forward, these eight people who used to work with Ken Paxton. And they, first of all, accused him of wrongdoing. But second of all, they sued and they, they wanted money and they were promised $3.3 million. If Ken Paxton is impeached, do they get any of that money? Like, where does their case stand? If he were to get impeached... The whistleblowers will remain in this status quo. Limbo. That's our understanding at this point, because the only way they could get paid is if the Texas legislature appropriates the $3.3 million to pay the settlement. At this point, we're not expecting them to get paid. And I think that the Texas Whistleblower Act exists for a reason, to protect folks like them who report wrongdoing or who, you know, speak up about what they're seeing in their agencies. Doesn't sound like it's working. They were targeted. They were fired or pushed out by uh, Ken Paxton, and they don't have the money. I don't know how to feel now about this impeachment because it sounds like if Ken Paxton avoids being kicked out of office, that is problematic, <laughs> potentially. And it sounds like if he is kicked out of office, that just that means these whistleblowers are out of luck. Right, right. And, and 
you know, we also have to look at the intentions here from the Texas legislature because, sure, they say that they don't think taxpayers should pay for this $3.3 million. However, they also adjourned and they didn't look at all, it's our understanding, to change the state law that says that you cannot sue an official on their personal capacity because arguably, sure, the, the taxpayers should not pay for the money, but then you would change the law to allow the whistleblowers to sue Paxton on a personal level and maybe Paxton could pay for it either using his campaign accounts or he, out of his own pocket. But they didn't do anything either on that on that front. So this is why I'm saying this is a political trial. This is a political event. It's not criminal, it's not civil, it's political, and senators are going to do whatever it's convenient for them politically. Sergio, thank you so much for your time. I'm super grateful. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Sergio Martinez Beltran is a political reporter for the Texas Newsroom, a public radio collaboration. And that's our show. If you're a fan of what we're doing here at What Next, the best way to support us is to join Slate Plus. Go on over to slate.com slash whatnextplus to sign up. What Next is produced by Elena Schwartz, Rob Gunther, Anna Phillips, Paige Osborne, and Madeline Ducharme. We are led by Alicia Montgomery with a little help from Susan Matthews. Ben Richmond is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations here at Slate. And I'm Mary Harris. You can go track me down on X or Twitter. I'm at Mary's desk. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. <laughs> <laughs> 